You're fucking around. It's Wild Style Radio. Wild Style Radio. What's up? Welcome to the Stand Up and Shout Rock Show with Whisk and Kev on the Wild Style Network, fueled by Monster Energy. We are back again, baby. It feels good. It's awesome. And just me and you today. It is. It's going to be a good time. Well, and then Jeff Jeff. Salzberg, the the voice of God coming in over top of us. Hello, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That was a very pleasant voice of God. Yes. Again, we're coming to you live from the Salisbury Center Studios, and uh, great show. Got a lot to talk about. Well, a lot's been happening. So I think a lot's been happening in multiple ways, right? There's been a lot of acts here. So we've been involved with talking to a lot of bands, which has been great. We've been seeing a lot of live music, but then a lot has been happening in the rock world. So I feel like we've been like throwing out these interjections. This happened with Motley Crue, but we only have 10 minutes to talk about it. And then that happened here and that happened there. And then we have to go interview. So today we're going to, we're going to like cut to the, the, we're going to dive in deep. Yeah. To like a lot of great things that are happening. Maybe great things, maybe some controversial things too in the music world. Yeah. So we're going to kind of kick things off. Uh, you know, uh, one of the bonuses, I guess <coughs> you me. could say, to COVID was that people couldn't go anywhere for a while mm-hmm. and bands actually got to go and write music and record music and lots of good stuff is coming out. And yesterday, uh, the long-awaited Metallica album dropped. This is this is so like you're part of the, the segments of everything we're going to talk about. This is so Kevin Birch about what we're about to do. I feel like I'm just going to sit here. If you see Kevin talking a lot and I'm not talking because he's probably been waiting to talk about this for weeks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously, uh, uh-huh. uh, very patiently, calmly waiting. I've been waiting a long time for it because, you know, they announced that they were recording and it seemed like three years went by. And, you know, so it finally came out. It was interesting, though, because, you know, usually you get when a, a band releases a new album, you get like a track uh-huh. and then the album comes out. And, yes. You know, you rush to. Back in the days, it was Waxy Maxies to buy the like cassette. That. Sam CD, Goody. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Sam Goody was more too expensive. <laughs> right. But and then you had Tower Records. Tower Records. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Another Manassas. Which is a great, have you seen the documentary? All all good yes. things must pass. Yes. That was awesome. That was good. That's a, that's a good yeah. point. I forgot about that. I watched yeah. that a little while ago. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Metallica album dropped. And over the course of the last six to eight weeks, they released four songs off the album. Yes. So you did get a little preview and uh you know but the whole thing was released yesterday i've listened to it a couple times i'm sure i'm sure you have so yeah so i'm I'm, i've made i made one good run through it and then a couple listens to songs that stood out to me so that's where i am like in so i'm not a haven't done my deep dive but i don't know like to me when you listen to an album i don't know how you're feeling about it but when you listen to an album things catch you right Mm -hmm. and so it's it's kind of interesting the things that do catch you and have caught me you know so sometimes like uh, in other words like i listen to the album for the first run through I hear a couple songs, they grab me at first. And then like six months later, I'm like, eh, you know, with right. those, and I'm not saying I'm there yet. I'm not saying like, I'm feeling that I really like 72 seasons from Metallica. Yep. I, I am really liking this album. So, and I, there's a lot of things that grab me. Um, I would say just even the title track right now, that's the one I tend to be listening to over and over again. And just not cause it's first, you know, in the list, it just has really good riffs and a really good hook. Yep. I, I think, most of the songs have really good riffs and, and a really good groove. And, you know, listening to it, I've listened to it twice now, all the way through. And 
I think, you know, it, the, the old school Metallica fans and what I've been reading online, most of them hate it um, because it's not kill them all. Yeah. Master puppets or ride the lightning, but nothing is nothing ever will be. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to speak to that, but I think 72 seasons is the best album they've released since the black album. Wow. Wow. So, oh, wait a minute. Oh my gosh. I'm blanking out. Yeah. Death magnetic. Yep. I like death magnetic a yeah. lot. Well, it seemed like to me, it seemed like there were two or three songs on most of their recent albums that were really good, kind of yeah. catchy. Yeah. And the rest of it was like, meh. Yeah. So, you know, all the way through, I liked all the songs for different reasons. Yeah. And it's been a long time since I could say that about a Metallica record. So, right. So, right. I don't think this is load or reload, right. you know, like, uh, I, I'm not a fan of those albums. If you are, I apologize. I mean, everybody has the reasons that they gravitate to the music that they gravitate to. And for good reasons, you know, a lot of times they like the songs that they like, but I, I'm kind of with you, like in terms of, to me, the, the canon of excellent Metallica albums are those first four albums. Um, and of course there's a few beyond that, but um, I, you, it, it's hard to touch that, you know, level sure. again. And also just, you know, the times are different too. The culture of the world is different. So it's hard for that music to match, you know, what's kind of going on in the world. Right. But, but I think uh, that this is a really good solid listen. I would recommend it. Yeah, no, it was great. Yeah. I, I'm enjoying it. I, I don't think it's as good as the new Megadeth record. Oh, I was going to ask, I was, you know what? I was, this is, that was going to be my thing. Cause we didn't talk, we didn't plan before this. And I was, I was again, like, this is so your segment. So we've never talked about, you know, the sick, the dead and the dying. And I was going to compare it. I was going to make yeah. you compare there's, them. There's no comparison. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. There, there's Kevin's Megadeth yes. coming out for sure. <laughs> you know, and the other cool thing that happened this week, and we talked about this just briefly before we kicked off the show they did a mini residency on Jimmy Kimmel Live, yeah. which was really cool. I've been watching all week. And we, we got a video queued up. I'm not sure how many folks got to see this, but, uh, you know, on the third night, Hello, they, the uh, they actually the fa- tried to find way. out if uh, Metallica could be a master of puppets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they went to a uh, marionette theater and, uh, you know, did a little Metallica skit and... Uh, uh, and I'm not sure if it's up on. Those are tough puppets. Those are not. I mean, those are advanced. Yeah. Use some advanced puppeteering to manage those people. Yeah. Those things. But uh, it, it became very metal towards the end of it. Uh-huh. And, uh, I don't know if you want to play it all the way through. But oh, there we go. We got some kids. Yeah, we kids were there and uh, um, live audience. You know, started talking about what kind of music they were going to play and whether it was country or rap. Yeah, and then. Someone came out and said, you should play metal. Yes. Yes. There's the metal coming out. (laughs) Those master puppets. (laughs) (laughs) I like the head banging. The actual child head banging. So, so that was a pretty cool segment, and, and on different nights, they, they interviewed the band a couple of times, so it was a really good time, and the music was pretty wide-ranging. They played two tracks live off the new 72 Seasons album. They mm-hmm. played Master Puppets, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, well, right, especially with Stranger Things, the exposure that song had yep. from Stranger Things. I think, you know, the world's been re-exposed to that song, which is obviously a phenom of a song. Do you, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if you remember this, too, Jeff Salisbury, Lou. So I'm going to call myself out here. 
I, like we're talking about whether you like an album or not. You guys, like, you busted my hump pretty good, like, back in the day, because I did not like Master of Puppets when I first heard it. You so remember sad. that? You guys would, like, fire me up about that, like, again and again, and I was like, I'm just not, I'm not there. I don't get it. And it took me, like, probably You're too into the White Lion. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It was a couple months until it finally, like, grabbed me. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this shit's amazing. But it, it I don't know. It's just that first, those first listens, I just didn't dive like head in like like you all did right yeah I, I just remember i still remember the first time i heard master puppets we were all piled into damon's car on the way to mcdonald's on break from the hayloft yeah yeah <laughs> and he like, loved Check it this out yeah played it and i was like oh my god what <laughs> yeah. did i just hear <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so yeah good stuff there and uh you know so kind of so the more that I was listening to 72 seasons and reading reviews where the, the, the only good Metallica is the first three albums, those guys, you know, and thinking back to the four horsemen, uh-huh. you know, and interviewing them, uh-huh. I kind of came to the realization that obviously bands grow and evolve. And I think to a certain extent that's happened. Sure. But the real thing I think that prevents Metallica from having that same sound and style that they had in the early days is Cliff. Yo, no, of course. And so much of what he did for the band, and they you really don't hear a lot of people bringing that up, yeah, per se, yeah. But you know, I think that's really and and Robert Trujillo is probably the closest basis they've had to Cliff's style, right? So you hear some of that coming through in some of the the newer stuff they've done, but to me that that's the real difference. And I got a couple friends that were posting on Facebook this week. They're like, I don't like this, and, and but they're the ones that are only like the first three, four albums. And sure. And I'm like, well, it's never going to be like that anymore. And that's one of the reasons. Right. So. With Cliff Burton being absent, you know, from any album after, and you know, Jason Newstead coming in was phenomenal. It's not like that he was, you know, necessarily a bad, we talked about this last time, right. With, with Mick Mars, I'm probably gonna talk about it again with feel, you know, yeah. and just the yeah. feel of, of, even excellent musicians exchanging places and how that impacts a band and impacts their sound. That's certainly true to me with Cliff Burton and you, that feels maybe the first feel of those initial albums are gone because, you know, he's unfortunately and very tragically not alive, you know, to participate in anything, you know, since. Right. I think the only group that I could think of that really didn't miss a beat, but changed the feel is ACDC. Yeah. Somehow Bon Scott and Brian Johnson are two completely different sounding singers, but it's still ACDC yeah. 100% from their first album to their last album. They just, it's, yeah. it's amazing. My theory on that, we're like, we're, that's this, I like that's a good diversion. <laughs> nice. My, my theory, this is just my dumb, simple, easy theory on that, is I feel like, like Brian Johnson, even himself, not even just the band, the band very obviously, he like invokes the spirit of Bon Scott. You know, that's back in black, right? Oh, that yeah. is like Bon yeah. Scott coming out of the grave. And yeah. he wrote to that and you know, very openly acknowledged it, even in the songwriting. And like it kept maybe that feel there. Yeah, it's it's the feel, but even <clears throat> the sound is different. Yeah. Sure. Their, their, their vocals are way oh, yeah. different, oh, but yeah. they're still almost the same. I mean, yeah. it, it's weird because they're so different and you can tell who's who. But when you listen to it, it it's almost like, they could inter- be interchangeable on I- in the album with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
this might be a different topic for a different time, but Doug, you know, from first try that yeah. was, you know, the percussionist that was here for first try. <laughs> he threw this out there to me one time. He said, you, there, you can, you can't find, is there 11 songs on back in black or 10, 10 or 11 songs, whatever the count of songs that's on back in black that you couldn't find that many Bon Scott songs that were as good. It's like, what, <laughs> what ridiculousness. I can just throw out highway to hell <laughs> and just that album and yes. start there. You know, and, and, and begin that. Not that we're it's almost track for track just right. with that one album. Right. It's not to have that debate right now, but that debate has been and, and all of these conversations that we have in all these places that we have, and that one was thrown out to me at one point. Ten. Yeah. Ten. I looked it up. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Well, and so one other piece of news that kind of came out, um, hopefully a lot of folks, at least in the DC area, have probably heard about this, but there's a new venue opening up called the Atlantis. Yes. Kind of a new old venue. Yes. Which is um, based on the, the articles and information that's been filtered out. Um, and I didn't realize this. I don't know if you mentioned this or someone else mentioned this, but Dave Grohl is one of the owners. That's what I hear. He has venture. a piece of it. That's the yeah. rumor. The rumor that I've, I'm not a part of those business conversations. I'd love to be, but I'm not. And so, yeah. Yeah. But that's opening up and here in the very near future. And it's going to be right behind the current 930, 930. Club. Yes. Which is moved from its original location off of f street um and if if you're listening i know that there's some listeners i i'm going to shout out to my aunt who listens in new mexico and you know so kind of from this area but not in this area in the time of the 930 club 930 club is iconic you can't to me talk oh, about yeah. local music here in washington dc without talking about the 930 club because it was groundbreaking for so many bands in so many ways yeah so this is kind of why this is a landmark event like in this area to have you know, another acknowledgement of the 930 family kind of being, or another, you know, building of the 930 family being born. Right. And the name, the Atlantis, was the original name of the original 930 Club very briefly. Yes. Before it became the 930 Club. So uh, they're opening a replica of that club, um, as I mentioned, right near the current 930 Club, and it's due to open... I think next month mm -hmm. they start shows, mm -hmm. but they had a... Starting with the Foo Fighters. Yes. Um, starting with the Foo Fighters, and they had a unique uh, way that they were handling tickets to those shows. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about, so I feel like I went through this experience, and this, uh, so we talked about this a little bit. For Memorial Day for me, so coming up in, you know, another six weeks, I'm going to go see the Foo Fighters in Columbus, Ohio. So I'm going to the Sonic Temple Festival, and uh, I was looking specifically for that, because one of, in one of our early podcasts, we talked about who was going to be drumming for the Foo Fighters. That was like one of our big conversations. I'm going to go see who's going to be the drummer for the Foo Fighters. That show's relatively new in there and, and, and their limited touring that they're doing this summer. So I don't, you know, nothing of course is official has been announced yet, but by then we're certainly going to know. So we're going to know soon. But when I went to buy tickets, I wanted to buy because of a Foo Fighters show and I'm a Foo Fighters fanatic. I wanted to be up front. I wanted the VIP section. So I went to go and purchase tickets in that section and they were all sold out. And I was like a day or two late. So I didn't jump on it. I was bad about that, you know, right when it was released. But when you go to look then at aftermarket, there is no aftermarket sale for those tickets because you go on a basically what was on a wait list that was managed by that festival for anyone that was reselling their tickets. They're reselling them directly back to the festival through Ticketmaster. And then they in turn become available to you who's laying on this wait list. And that's what happened for me. So I, I jumped on the wait list that you just basically give them, you know, your purchasing information so that your, your credit card number, and then they, they don't 
they don't apply the charge until the tickets drop and then tickets drop. And then that's that. So the fan experience of this and this side of it is that there's no escalation of ticket prices. So instead of me going on to, you know, a third party site that might ride with rhyme with, uh, you know, glove bub, you know, and then pay like, you know, four times the amount of what the original ticket price was. I got them at face value. So in the fan experience, it was fantastic. I think for Ticketmaster, it was all managed with Ticketmaster. Of course, they do what they do. They charge a fee every time. Of course. Right. And right. I, you know, I just kind of wish for me, like that's something else that has to be re resolved, right? Like this whole fee thing, like, you know, every business expense, you know, shouldn't be an extra add on in my opinion, you know, it's kind of the price is the price, right? And those expenses should all be considered as a part of the price and just advertise it for what it is. But that to me is another conversation for another day. It's almost like, uh, I, I feel like the offshoot of this, you know, from what I'm seeing and my limited understanding of the ticket world is what happened with Taylor Swift, you know, and I know we're on the stand up and shout rock show, but you know, those, those 13 year old girls had that disaster. At least their parents did of, you know, waiting mm -hmm. in these long ticket master lines and then not being able to get them. And of course then have the you know, exuberant scalping prices then like fall in line after the Swifties did that. But I remember when this happened with Pearl jam back in the nineties and Pearl jam tried to like do the same thing and say the same thing, same things back then. But it wasn't 13-year-old girls with their parents. It was probably like, you know, dopey 18-year-old dudes like me. And so Congress didn't care as <laughs> yeah. much about it because the audience wasn't the same. Right. And we didn't have the same sway as those, you know, teenage ladies that out there that were able to, you know, get well, their parents on board and complain even more loudly. It's, it's business and <laughs> it's going to be there one way or the other. They're either just going to raise the price of the tickets and hide the fees in them. Or they're going to sell the tickets and add the fees. Either right. way, it's like no different than a restaurant. Right. You can sell a cheeseburger that includes everything, or you can sell it and then charge for the mayonnaise and all right. that stuff, too. And I'm absolutely so, like, I think, obviously, now we're sitting in here. We're sitting in the Salisbury Center, and you just heard from Jeff Salisbury, who is my dear friend. I want everybody to, to win. That's my philosophy in all of this. You know, yep. we want, you know, anybody in the music business to make money. It's not like we don't want them to make money but we want fans to have a good fan experience. But I think like what got out of hand very obviously is the resale, the resale costs of tickets and the people that just happened to be in line first, or in the case of electronic, the bots that would go out that people could take advantage of. And because they had the technology knowledge, right. were able to you know scarf up tons of tickets and then sell them then at outrageous prices for their own benefit and really not have any interest in the music that was happening. So that's, a, that's what I'm thinking. Right. With what I'm, what's different, so to me, getting back to the Atlantis, and that's my that's my personal story with purchasing tickets like a, under a system like this, and that was with the Sonic Temple Festival. And I think what's different about the Atlantis, because I put in for, I could say I put in for a list of events there, and I got my drop last week. Everything was unfulfilled. And so in my social media and in all my social wah, media wah. feeds, right, that to me is the million-dollar word, and it's unfulfilling like in more than a ticket sales way, it's unfulfilling in so many ways. It was such a, like an appropriate word to pick, unfulfilled. <laughs> but everybody had that experience. Rick was here. I'm calling out to my buddy Rick. We were talking that we were going to like scratch each other's backs if we wound up getting Foo Fighters tickets. And he reached out to me immediately. He's like, I didn't get them. I was like, I didn't get them either. So sorry, Rick. So I'm just going to give a shout out to you. But, uh, but either way, I, I don't see a resale there. I don't know what's happening with Atlantis. If, if I'm unfulfilled right now and I still want to go to a show and I'm assuming that if someone else can't make it to a show that 
they have the ability to sell those tickets back, so to speak. They would go back to Ticketmaster, but I don't know if they go into a next in line, you know, kind of thing. So that's to be seen, I think, from what I'm witnessing. Well, and the interesting part of that is, because I see it also on the the Ticketmaster side with my caps, because I'm a cap season ticket holder. If you sell things through Ticketmaster on, you know, the resale market, you're getting taxed now on that. Yes. So... Um, it's interesting that now they're doing that, like with Sonic Temple, and if that's how the Atlantis does it. But we didn't, I didn't, nobody made any money off the resale for me. Right. So there's nothing to tax. Right. Well, yeah. and that's, that's what, you know, that would be an interesting development if that's the case now. So if, for whatever reason, you know, the honest concert goer mm-hmm. buys tickets mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, shoot, you know, whatever happens, I can't go now. Right. And you can sell them back to Ticketmaster. And Ticketmaster's then going to give them or sell them to that next fan that's on a wait list. That's fantastic. Yeah. Because right, right. It's, it's a benefit to those that truly want to go see yep. those bands yep. as opposed to someone who's in it to make money off of it and, and you know, are scooping up tickets and just, you know, selling yeah. them on the secondary market and, and making four or five, six, whatever times the price that they actually paid for yes yes so so that would be a good development if that's how it's going to happen yeah atlantis you know my understanding is it only has about a capacity of 250 people yeah so and my and then the gossip that i heard is that there for foo fighters specifically there were fifty thousand requests estimated you know to to be in that lottery so you're getting you had to get 250 out of Fifty thousand. So your your odds. Your winning percentage is pretty low. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that small. Yeah, Cause, cause it's smaller thinking, than nine thirty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's smaller than the Salisbury Center. It's smaller than one of the rooms in the Salisbury. Center. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wondering. So, you know, is that indicative of long term success for them, or is this just kind of a limited run sort of thing? Right. You know. Right. To you know, for whatever reason. And yeah. I think that we're obviously getting, we're putting in big names to get name recognition, you know, for the event and the venue. And then I think obviously smaller acts would probably be what 930 used to be, right? Like this is an introductory venue for up and coming, you know, musicians in the area. Sure. My girlfriend got Living Color tickets. So I, in turn, as long as she still wants me to go, that's that's going to be my first (laughs) foray into the Atlantis. And I love living color. So, I, you of know course. me, we've talked yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the brutal debate. <laughs> the never ending debate. It's hard to have a podcast without talking about Queensrake and living color. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we've got some cool things coming up on the show. We're, we're going to take getting, a. We're getting a little gamish. We are. So, yeah. like, anybody that watches this or listens, I, I like, you know, if you, if you can't, you're not, obviously not here for the games. There's only a few of us here today. So, this is a play at home kind of situation. So, like, it's recorded. But I think a lot of you all have thoughts, you know, towards these recordings. In fact, I know it because people will find me and talk to me afterwards and then give me their opinions on things that we've talked about in depth. No doubt. You know, if we start setting a, a schedule ahead of time, we can start going live. I, yes. I, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm liking. Yeah. I, I can see this as a futuristic possibility. Yeah. Yeah. And also, we picked up a new sponsor. Oh, yeah. Is it Peloton? Nope. It's uh, rvrepairbear.com. Oh, all right. So they're going to supply 
the Mac Daddy RV for the dressing room out front for, for the kick show. Excellent. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, folks. Yep. Yeah, thanks, thank RV. You. What's going to happen in the starboard over there? All right. What's going to happen in the RV outside of the Salisbury Center? <laughs> <laughs> Does the top come down? <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I can only imagine what it is. Yeah. Sweet. All right. It's not a pink RV with a, a dance floor in it, though. <laughs> Damn. I, yeah, because I, I kind of remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Salisbury Center party bus. Yeah, the Wild Style. It was the Wild Style yeah, bus. Wild yeah. Style bus. Yeah. That sure would come in handy nowadays. <laughs> right? <laughs> a little better late than never, but oh well. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll get into some games. You're listening to and watching the Stand Up and Shout Rock Show on the Wild Style Network. 